So we're trying to do what we need to do to continue to move forward, to continue to set our organization up to be responsive to the community we serve. And I think that this budget to a large degree does, does just that. That was Jeff Richardson, the County Executive for Albemarle County. In this episode, we have a special guest host, my boss and the Director of Communications and Public Engagement, Emily Kilroy, who will have a conversation with Mr. Richardson about the proposed fiscal year 2023 budget and how it seeks to meet the strategic needs of the community. We'll also learn about Mr. Richardson's career in public service and what inspires and motivates him to do the work. Welcome to Let's Talk Albemarle. I'm your host, Serena Gruya. I'm the public engagement coordinator with Albemarle County in beautiful central Virginia. Every day I learn more and more about local government and our community. I've spoken with so many people who really wanna get involved in local governance, but don't know where to start. Well, it's my hope that this podcast is a starting point to supporting community participation. And for those of you who are already super engaged, a chance to dig into important topics. So today, let's talk Albemarle about the proposed budget for fiscal year 2023. Hi, this is Emily Kilroy, and I'm the Director of Communications and Public Engagement for Albemarle County Government. I'm joined today by Jeff Richardson, the County Executive. Mr. Richardson, we're sitting in your office at the County Office Building downtown. Hanging next to us on the wall is a framed baseball jersey. Tell us, what's the significance of that jersey? Emily, thank you for the question, and more importantly, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I'm excited to talk a little bit about Albemarle County government, and uh, interesting question. Uh, Probably back before the pandemic, maybe half the people that came in my office would take note of the jersey and ask me something such as, oh, did you play baseball, Uh, or something similar to that. And so the answer to the question is, uh, the, the, the jersey is from Asheville. It's Asheville Tourist Baseball. Asheville Tourist is a single A minor league baseball team in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, they play at McCormick Field. McCormick Field was built in 1924. It's the third oldest minor league baseball park in the United States. City of Asheville bought property in 1923 for a minor league baseball team, and they sited it near Asheville High School because their thought was that that field would also need to serve for the high school baseball team's field. Because it's the third oldest minor league baseball stadium in the United States, there's a lot of history that's associated with that baseball franchise. When it opened in 1924, Ty Cobb and the Detroit Tigers opened up Asheville Tourist Baseball Stadium, McCormick Field. After that, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehring, the New York Yankees all traveled to Asheville to be a part of the early history of McCormick Field. And since that time, over the decades, local government has served as the owner of the baseball stadium. And in my 16 years in Asheville, I was primarily responsible for working with the baseball team, Asheville Tourist Baseball Team, each year to ensure that the baseball stadium was kept up to date, that the infrastructure improvements met what we would expect to be public facility safety improvements in this day and time. 
They always wanted us to focus on modern amenities where it mattered most, but at the same time to preserve the nostalgia of what the stadium represents. And that is almost 100 years of baseball. When I left Asheville in 2013, the baseball team presented me with a jersey uh, for my time serving the Asheville Tourist baseball, baseball Team. It certainly meant a lot to me. But I'd also like to take a second to talk a little bit more about why the baseball jersey is hanging in my office. For people who know me well, they know that I am a sports enthusiast, and I can't help that. I grew up playing sports, including baseball, and what was most enjoyable about all of that was being a part of a team. And in my time in local government, what I've enjoyed most is being a part of a team, being a part of people who I'm around, working with every day. They depend on me and I depend on them. And so there's a, I get a lot of satisfaction uh, working, on, working with teams, building teams, being a part of a team, taking various roles. And I really know of nothing that represents that more than baseball and uh, what it represents. So thank you. That's an incredible history. Now, you didn't come to Albemarle County from Asheville. And I, I know a fun fact about your career. Last year, you marked 30 years of local government service. Tell us a little bit about your public service career. Well, I've mentioned Asheville uh, already, and I spent 16 years of my career in Asheville. Uh, started there in 1997 and finished in 2013. Did not mean to go there and spend uh, over half of my career there, but the opportunities presented itself for me to stay. I'm a native of that area, uh, so is my wife. And so we primarily raised our children there. That's where they consider home to be. Uh, as a local government, though, it shaped a lot of, of what I believe local government is. Uh, the city of Asheville is a destination community. I've spoke about uh, one of its most treasured downtown uh, amenities, and that's the single-A baseball uh, franchise and the storied stadium. But Asheville, as a city and as a downtown, is a destination community. And so, therefore, there is a significant responsibility on local government to provide resources, not only for the people who live there and pay taxes, but also the people who visit. So I learned a lot in my 16 years there. Uh, serving the, the citizens in the community. It's a very vibrant community, a very engaging community, and I enjoyed it tremendously. I also got an opportunity uh, in what I call bookend service to serve uh, in county government for five years uh, prior to coming to Asheville and for another four years after leaving Asheville. Two different roles, one as a human resources director, the other as a county manager. Uh, starting out in human resources, uh, coming out of graduate school with a goal of being a city or county manager was not a preferred route in those days uh, for people trying to get into the manager's office. But I wouldn't trade that experience for anything because it allowed me to learn the organization truly from the ground up, and it also allowed me to see that uh, when you invest in your people, uh, that's when things begin to happen in the organization. And without that investment in your people, uh, you're going to be disappointed overall with the performance of the organization. So I was very blessed uh, in North Carolina to work about half of my career in city government, half in county. I think that really prepared me for the, the uh, opportunities, the challenges that have presented itself uh, uh, for me since I've been in Albemarle County. 
So your title here is county executive, and you've had previous roles as a deputy and county manager. What does a county executive do? What is your role in county government? People are oftentimes confused about how local government works, and that's understandable because as we work our way through grade school and into college, we get a decent amount of interaction uh, uh, through school with how state and federal government works, but oftentimes we really are not exposed to much of the day-to-day workings of local government. But whether you're called a county administrator, a city manager, a county executive, uh, that title really is synonymous for the chief executive officer. You're you're in charge of the day-to-day operations of that organization. And the board of directors, in this case, is our elected officials. In Albemarle County, we have six elected officials uh, representing six separate districts that make up Albemarle County. And I report to that board of, uh, board of directors. I'm responsible for managing the day-to-day operations and in, and in uh, how we're set up. We have department heads. In private sector, these would be vice presidents, and they are over subject matter expertise areas, fire, police, finance, human resources, parks and recreation, community development, economic development. That's not the inclusive list, but that's a flavor of how the division of work is is separated in local government. And if you were to really boil down for, you know, what is it exactly that I should be focusing on day to day? It's really organizational performance. My job is to improve the organization's performance. I, I serve a key role, but by, by no stretch am I the most important cog in the wheel. In fact, I think our department heads, day in and day out, uh, are their work, their performance, their leadership, it matters so much as they reach into the departments that they lead and then they connect to the county executive's office who then connects to the board and we all connect to the community that we serve. That's a great segue, how the work of the departments connects to the executive's office, which connects to the board and the community. Today we're talking because it's budget season. From your perspective, when does the budget development begin each year and what does that look like? You know, that that's a question that I knew you were going to ask me and so I spent a little bit of time thinking about it and it, it's evolved and obviously it's subjective. And you know, if we go into our finance department, finance and budget, department they can say on this particular day each year this is where we formally roll out the budget process and it starts in the fall and it starts with uh, paperwork and communication going out to the departments and asking departments to go through a multiple uh, uh, step process of working with the budget office to begin to build the budget but really when we take two steps back and i think the pandemic has even sped it up more our budget process is almost a yearly process that goes 12 months out of the year uh, we we are right now in the middle of the budget process that uh, involves the public and it involves the board we have six work sessions three hours each that are scheduled for March and early April, and that's before uh, the board makes its final decisions on what is in and what is out. And then we will go to several public hearings. The budget is adopted in May. But in the fall, early fall, late summer, early fall, we are looking at our strategic plan, the board's strategic plan, which are their strategic priorities, which really means what is most important that we keep at the forefront of our mind now. These are the things that we believe could make the most difference looking forward in the quality of life 
uh, the stabilization of, of, of the quality of life here in Albemarle County. So our board keeps those strategic priorities at the forefront of our mind. And as we work into the late summer and the early fall, we're looking at these strategic priorities. We're talking to, uh, to our department heads, and we're talking about alignment, and that's the alignment of our resources and our capacity to these opportunities. It requires us to measure and see how much progress we're making in these areas, and it requires us also to be in constant communication with our board, with our community, with uh, department heads communicating with department heads, all in an effort to look for where are the biggest opportunities where we can do the most with the least amount of, of capacity and investment. And so it is a 12-month process. I think it starts in the fall, and then it carries all the way through, uh, as I said, to May. We, we typically get just a couple of minutes to rest in the summer, and then we're right back at it again. So you spoke about the importance of the board's strategic plan in guiding the priorities of the organization and the work that gets budgeted and, and completed each year. One th phrase that people have heard you say in the past is you'll run out of money before you run out of things to do. How does the leadership team approach deciding what projects should be included in the budget each year? Well, that's a great question, and it's certainly not my original idea of, of, of coining the phrase here of there, there is more opportunities and more needs than there are resources to be able to address it all. That's, that's the real key of prioritization. That's the real key of trying to determine what is, what is the most important thing that we do now. Um, what I would say is, is, is that the first thing that we've got to have a good handle on is how are we performing with the key uh, strategic plan priorities at the forefront of our mind. How are we doing? Where are we moving the needle? And uh, how do we know? Are we measuring the progress? Uh, and, what, and are the outcomes what we expected the outcomes to be? So we start those conversations early. Bear in mind, we're always talking with our elected officials. They're giving us feedback continuously on how they believe things are going. And, and uh, our key partner agencies are a big part of that as well. So it's not just about Albemarle County government. It's about the key partner agencies that we work with every day to help carry out uh, the, the, the mission of Albemarle County government and the work that we do. So, so we work through that process and we're looking for uh, the opportunities uh, to either do more, to either uh, uh, adapt where we are and do something a little bit different, uh, to take advantage of, a, of an unforeseen opportunity with a partner agency or, a, or an opportunity to, to collapse and combine things to do more with someone else. But uh, we're working through that process in the early fall. We're trying to figure out all against the backdrop of capacity and affordability. So we're looking at uh, the work that we do. We're looking at the workload. We're looking at pinch points, such as where are we behind? Uh, where, we're not, where are we not able to keep up? Where, where, where are our workforce issues with either recruitment, retention, uh, or just uh, uh, a volume level that is creating problems and bottlenecks? And so we're looking at all of that, and we're looking for the things that we can recommend to our board that will make the most difference. And also, uh, at times, we want to look to see if there's scalability. Can we outsource it? Uh, uh, again, I've mentioned our key partner agencies. All of this is important as we look ahead. We also have to keep a constant eye on our financial uh, uh, condition, our financial performance, 
Our finance and, bu our finance and budget folks do an absolutely outstanding job at looking at the uh, year-end closeout, how, how our year performed, uh, how much money did we save in the budget, how are our revenues performing, but then they also look at that in the context of year-end closeout, which produces what we call one-time money, one-time money means that you have it one time, you spend it one time, and then it's gone, versus reoccurring money. And that's from revenues that we collect. And are the revenues overperforming, underperforming? And do we see a trend? And can we, with uh, a degree of confidence, uh, uh, lean on that trend as we go forward with revenue projections? So we work through all of that, and then we end up in public meetings with our board talking about uh, uh, what matters most, how we're doing, the projects that they're interested in, uh, and then we take that and, and take all that information and go forward. Did you know that Albemarle County is in the process of updating the comprehensive plan? Mom, what's the comprehensive plan? Well, first, the cool way to say it is comp plan. And it's a really big document that our local government uses to figure out where growth, development, and investment should be directed in the county. The plan helps us to figure out where new roads, trails, parks, and housing should go. It also helps us protect natural resources and support our local economy. Wow, that sounds like a lot of work. Don't you have enough to do? We do have a lot to do, but the comp plan is super important and the update is required by the state. But more than that, a lot has changed since the last update in 2015. The county's grown and several new plans and policies have been adopted, like the Climate Action Plan and the Affordable Housing Policy. We also want to make sure the comp plan is focused on equity and inclusion so that all Albemarle residents have the opportunity to live their best life. Learn how you can participate in the comp plan update or just follow along with us at engage.albemarle.org. So you spoke about revenues, affordability, capacity. What are some of the fiscal drivers in this year's budget? We've had a uh, very good year uh, related to real estate property assessments. Uh, they are up approximately 8.4%. That speaks to a very healthy real estate market here in Albemarle County. Uh, home prices are very strong. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Albemarle County is a destination community, not just for people to come and visit and to take part in so much of what the community offers uh, every day in terms of things to see, things to do. The university presence is, is felt everywhere we go, and that, that is so positive for the community's economic vibrancy. But Albemarle County stacks up quite nicely as a uh, great place to live, a great place to retire, a great place to raise kids. Um, and I think the pandemic has only sped that up because with, the, uh, with what's happened with the pandemic, with more people revisiting uh, work-life balance and how they work and how many hours they work and where they work, it has opened up opportunities for people to consider, including where they live. And when you look nationwide, Albemarle County is still a very affordable place to live. Uh, 
And that's both an opportunity, but it's also a challenge. Uh, and, it, and, and it is a challenge for us in local government to continue to try hard to do what we can to make Albemarle County affordable and guard the quality of life that has been uh, so rich here for so long. So our property, uh, our real estate property assessments are strong. That's the majority of the revenue that comes in the door for Albemarle County. We saw quite an uptick in home prices over the last year. Uh, 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 business on the business side, it stabilized uh, as the pandemic uh, uh, slowed down and waned somewhat, and people got back to being out and going places. And so, in addition to that, though, our consumer-driven taxes, sales tax, food and beverage tax, transit occupancy tax, we're seeing a, a, a nice bounce back there as well, as well as business-driven taxes. And so, when we take a step back and look at our revenue picture and look across the board at our revenues, we see a nice level of uh, economic stabilization. When this pandemic started two years ago uh, this month, we knew that we were going to have to hit the brakes hard initially on our budget, on our spending, on our planning, and be able to get some confidence as to what impact the pandemic would have on our local economy. Over the last 24 months, we've seen, uh, first of all, the first six months, there was a sharp decline. And then we've seen this local economy build back over the last 12 to 15 months and put us in a very favorable position to re-engage with our board, re-engage with our community, and begin to plan for the future uh, uh, with the priorities that I mentioned earlier in mind. Recently, the county's triple triple A bond rating was affirmed. Talk a little bit about why that's so important as a local government to have that credit rating. The triple A rating means that our financial management is top notch. That rating allows us to issue debt at a more competitive rate, meaning that we can afford to make more investments in our community. Our rating agencies take a thorough look at Albemarle County government. Uh, they look at not just our financial condition, but they look at the uh, financial condition and economic stability of the community. We can't have that AAA bond rating and have a local economy that is struggling. Uh, the two go hand in hand. And so we are, uh, we take, uh, uh, part credit for the economic vibrancy in our community as a key partner with other key agencies in the community to keep a constant eye on our economy and on our uh, revenues and our economic indicators, all, all with a watchful eye to get some assurance that the economy continues to go well here. And uh, the AAA rating really speaks to the commitment, decades of commitment that this, that this county government has had to stay in strong financial condition, to guard our financial condition, and to make sure that every significant conversation about what we're going to do, what we're going to invest, what we're going to borrow, that it all starts from the same spot. And that is, we must guard our financial condition at all costs. And we've done that. And we've got a great team of people that work very hard to continue to do that every day. How do, in your experience, community members evaluate how their local government is doing? 
when you talk about how a community values and, and really uh, evaluates its city or county, really you're looking at, number one, customer service response. And that is when a community member needs something from their local government. How, how quickly did the, did the local government respond? Did the employee make the citizen or the community member feel like that, hey, what you need is important and I'm here to try to help you? Number two uh, is economic vibrancy. Really, how vibrant is the local economy? How are people doing? Uh, what's the unemployment rate? What's the quality of jobs? Is uh, Can people afford to live there? Uh, the quality of medical care uh, and all, the quality of our schools. And so you know, the economic vibrancy. So, so to, to a large degree, if the community is struggling to some, to some degree, the citizens, the community members that are there, they're going to look at the local government and say, what can you do about this? The third thing, and really should talk about it last, is quality of life. And I think therein lies some of the challenges that we continue to have in local government, and that is that uh, the community you serve will evaluate how well you're doing based on how well they perceive their quality of life to be. Now, what's tricky about that is that if we put 50 community members in a room uh, and we break them into small groups and we go around and we start talking about defining quality of life. Oh my gosh, you get such a varied uh, response level of what is most important to the community. And because of that, it's very challenging with, for local government with the resources we have to be able to address every single thing that comes down the pike. So really, we're where I end there is where I began. I talked about the strategic priorities. I talked about the board uh, being connected to the community, certainly the staff, but you're listening for what are the things that we need to be working on now that matter the most, that will make the most impact on the quality of life of the citizens that we serve every day. So the first public step in the budget process is the presentation of the county executive's recommended budget, which occurred in late February. What are some programs and projects that you would highlight in the budget recommendation this year? Well, the first thing I'll, I'll talk about, and, and, you know, I've had that question several times since we started the budget process, and every time I usually start with, uh, and I'll speak about something different. On any given day, uh, something's happening in some of these key areas that make it quite exciting to talk about. But let's talk first about transportation leveraging. And that's to put local dollars to leverage state and federal dollars to address road capacity, safety, bike and pedestrian facilities, the infrastructure that as a, a, a growing community, we want to invest in uh, multimodal transportation. And we're doing that. But, the, but, but just the word, transportation leveraging, it's, it's exciting because it means that with a certain amount of local money, local dollars that, that Albemarle County uh, uh, captures, we then can reach to our state and federal government, depending on what the project is and what the partnership is, and say, okay, we've got our match. Now you come with your match, the outside local money, and together we can do something that by ourselves we can't afford to do. And so these are key key what I call pinch point areas in the county where there are there is traffic congestion. This has been uh, incremental over the years uh, where we grow about uh, uh, 1,000 to 1,500 uh, citizens, residents a year. 
and uh, you reach a point where there's a tipping point, where the intersection no longer functions as it was designed, and it needs the attention uh, of the state in order to upgrade it and make it uh, perform a lot better. And we've got a handful of those across the county, and, and uh, uh, we're excited about this opportunity over a five-year period, hopefully, to address some of these key pitch pinch points and to help people with their commute time uh, and just their traveling back and forth across across the county. Also, I'd talk about uh, broadband. Uh, we've gotten into broadband in a big way. About a year ago, we designed our own dedicated broadband office that put uh, uh, more local resources, dedicated resources, and also ask people to just work on broadband. And so again, the partnership with the state, the state funding, we have a plan in place to achieve near universal broadband. As people begin to look at broadband, just like you would look at uh, your other basic services, such as water, sewer, electricity, we're approaching it that way. And, and it is a quality of life issue, but it's a necessity in this day and time uh, for families to have uh, uh, reliable broadband. I'd also talk, it's hard to talk about uh, things we're going to do and not talk about our key relationship with our public school system. Right now in our capital plan, we've got three schools planned over the next five to six year period. And that's necessary because again, with the incremental growth that we've seen in this county over several decades, you reach a point where you're at a tipping point and you need to look at additional investment. Of course, uh, uh, keeping our schools up to date, investing in our schools, uh, uh, the types of projects to keep our, our schools functioning well and serving uh, the kids, but also two new schools. We've got, as I said, three new schools in the next five years, but the new schools, we have two elementary schools, one north, one south, and then we have another uh, innovation high school that's planned as well. We're also uh, making key investments in economic development. Uh, we're making some key investments in Biscuit Run Park. That's a 1,200-acre park uh, that we uh, uh, attained that, that acreage from the state several years ago with a promise that we would build a vibrant uh, a park that has athletic fields, that has hiking trails, and ultimately will be connected around the community where it sits. So we're also invested in... Uh, a new courthouse court uh, in our court square downtown. Key partner is the city as well as the state. And so uh, that's a project that we'll continue to work on and bring to fruition over the next several years. Um, and so really when you look, Emily, at, at our priority areas, our nine priority areas in our strategic plan, this budget, maybe more, more so than anyone in, in recent past, you can align significant investment in our budget to all of the key areas that are in our strategic plan. Also, I'd like to say that we, that we have began to explore how we need to work differently. This recommended budget launches a community response team that has already gotten a lot of attention and a lot of discussion. Uh, 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 here locally since we rolled this out. This is a partnership between social services, the fire rescue department, and the police department. It puts an interdisciplinary team together uh, led by social services, and the, and the goal is to go out uh, and to uh, be able to respond to calls for individuals in crisis. Uh, depending on the details of the call, the team will adapt their response to best meet the critical needs of the person, ensuring the safety of all parties involved. And really, uh, with the uptick for um, 
the uptick of mental health calls across the United States. Uh, uh, this has been a work in progress where we're trying to put the, this interdisciplinary team together to be able to get into the field to address the issue and not tie up police, just the, the, the traditional police uh, uh, capacity or the fire capacity, but really put the team together that can go out and really address what the problem is uh, with the individual. Um, so we've 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 got that going. We're continuing to focus on urban service delivery. Uh, we want to keep our development areas vibrant, and so we're increasing the levels of uh, service and operations in these areas. Did you know that the host of this podcast also drives a big van around the county? The Let's Talk Albemarle van creates pop-up workshops and outreach events to aim to connect our community to projects, resources, and each other. Visit albemarle.org to see where the van will pop up next. And now, back to the show. One of the other areas in the budget is um, a project called Core Systems Modernization. What what does that mean to you? What is the value of that for a community member um, looking at the budget document? I'm in my fifth year as uh, as county executive, and you know, once you're in your fifth year working inside an organization. Uh, with the type of talent that I have around me every day, you really do begin to figure out what I would say is, you know, uh, uh, where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. And so um, I really no longer can say that I'm new and I'm really still trying to learn the organization in the area. So when we look back, it's amazing what Albemarle County over the course of decades has been able to do uh, with the resources that it had, the investments that it made. Uh, it's just amazing. I think the government has been ran well, and it has uh, uh, done a good job with the resources that it's committed across county government. But one of the things that you see when you look really um, hard into our government is that there's not been the level of investment with some of our core systems that help to run day-to-day -day operations. And so over the course of several years, we have been working diligently uh, uh, with the help of consultants uh, uh, and also uh, cross-departmentally with teams to be able to say, as these systems uh, need to be replaced, how do we replace these systems with uh, several things in mind. Number one, to be able to take advantage of, of IT technology, to take advantage of it in a way to where hopefully we can do more uh, with less effort, that we're able to fully uh, implement systems that are able to save us time, uh, uh, to capture more information, to measure things that matter, and also to be able to work cross-departmentally. It's so critical in this day and time that we not work just up and down through one department, but ask ourselves, as it relates to the community member experience, most most community members, when they come into contact with the county, they may need service from several different areas. It's very frustrating to go in, have the interaction, leave, and start all over again with another department. So our core systems modernization efforts are designed to help us work uh, across departments more nimbly with the use of technology. 
this sounds good, but it is really exhausting because so many of our systems were built and they work up and down a department, but they, the systems just don't talk with each other. And they've not, in some of the modernization, we've skipped uh, time. So some of the stuff that we work with is very antiquated. And so we're having to do uh, uh, work with systems and implementation that just requires a lot of human resource capacity. So we have to keep up, we have to keep up with what we're doing currently, but we also have to design, implement, and bring online the new things that we have uh, uh, designed and, and planned for. So it's a really challenging time for us in this organization, but I am convinced that this work is going to pay off because as we begin to build momentum and, and our systems become stronger, it gets easier and easier to be able to keep up. So you can hear that, you know, this is really, uh, to citizens, this, they would say, okay, big deal. This is gray infrastructure. This is back-of-the-house stuff. This is stuff that I don't see. It doesn't affect me. I just want to be able to step in and step out, get what I need, and get back to life. And I understand that. But at the same time, as we begin to implement these key systems and we begin to modernize in areas where we desperately need to, it's going to make us so much faster with the citizen response time, the customer service needs. And maybe the most important thing is it's going to give us data. It's going to give us the ability to see data. And, and what you do with data is you can begin to predict what things uh, you need to do in the future. Also, what adjustments you need to make to get better. That's a very ambitious budget. There's a lot of projects across a lot of different areas. How is the budget balanced? Well, the, uh, the real property tax rate is recommended to remain at the current 85.4 cents per $100 assessed value. So we're, we're balancing our budget on the same tax rate as last calendar year. We also um, are including revenues from the cigarette tax. The board passed last year and it took effect this past January 1st. Uh, we're also looking at a plastic bag tax, which would charge five cents for every plastic bag given at stores and takeaway restaurants. This is a part of our commitment to environmental sustainability. Cities, communities across the United States, they've, they have already done this. You see, you see a lot of, of uh, cities and counties that have already implemented something like this as an incentive for people to move away from plastic. So, and also our food and beverage tax, uh, meals tax is what it's sometimes referred to, as well as our transit occupancy tax. We've recommended increases in both of those in the current year because, as I said early in the conversation, we have a significant uh, uh, travel and tourism uh, visitation uh, segment of our community. Our daytime population is more than our nighttime population. Uh, I've had a hard time getting statistics on just what that means here, but uh, intuitively you can feel when you're out on the roads and when you're visiting and going places, you see a lot of visitors who are in this community and they are enjoying the amenities that this community offers. And so we felt like it was the right time to recommend an increase in the uh, the meals tax and the uh, transit occupancy tax uh, as a way to balance our revenue structure, lessen the reliance uh, just a little bit on that uh, uh, real estate property owner who is living and working here and paying taxes every day. This, this is a strategy to balance that and take advantage of the fact that we are a destination community. There's one more tax rate that's recommended to change this year, and it's recommended to decrease from 2021. Tell us what's recommended for personal property and why. 
What you're speaking to really with personal property tax, uh, it, more, more than maybe anything else, and there's been a lot written on it nationally, has been used car prices. Used car prices have skyrocketed over the past year. Uh, I've seen uh, as much as a 40% average increase in used cars over the past year. Uh, in Albemarle County, used car valuations have increased an average of 26% over the past year. Under the state code, we're required to assess personal property at a fair market value. So if we didn't adjust that tax rate this year, everyone in our community with a vehicle would have received an unexpected bill. When I say it's unexpected, it comes out in June. But what you wouldn't expect is you wouldn't expect those bills to grow anywhere from 25 to 40 percent, depending on uh, the, the type of personal property you have. So what we've done is we've we've adjusted that personal property tax rate down by 86 cents, and that's significant. And what that should do is allow for the adjustment uh, with the rate to all, to offset to a large degree the uh, used car va uh, valuations, which have increased anywhere from. 26% uh, or even more. Our board will consider that and they'll consider that in the broad context of everything that they're looking at with our revenue picture, our, our expenditures, the investments that we've recommended. And by, and by, uh, by May, uh, when we balance the budget, we will have an agreed upon strategy for how we continue to work through this personal property tax rate issue that we believe is due in, in a large part to supply chain issues and material shortages that's happening all across the United States. So customer service, economic vibrancy, quality of life. How does this budget invest in our community? We're getting ready to take a 1,200-acre piece of property, Biscuit Run Park, and get into the nuts and bolts of the infrastructure work that will bring that park online. Uh, that's exciting. It's going to be an urban park. It's going to be a rural park with, with walking trails, but it's going to have athletic fields. So that's a, that's a big part of what we're into these days is, uh, is offering people uh, options that they want to be able to get out and enjoy uh, the outdoors. Investing in our schools, uh, working with our public schools, uh, wonderful partnership that we have with them to invest in our schools, both, both with uh, current schools and investing in upfit infrastructure improvements, things they need, but also the planning for three new schools in five years. Also, American Rescue Plan Act money that came down the pike from the federal government during the pandemic, we've taken that money, and that is one-time money, and we've obligated, recommended obligating that money to some key projects in our community with the board's support. The board will take that into, in, into consideration during the budget process, but trying to look at investing in urban areas of the county, uh, uh, some of the urban ring areas, trying to in, uh, uh, improve our infrastructure, that, in, that helps to increase people's quality of life. And I've talked about transportation leveraging, and that's improving roadways and intersections. And so really when you look at this, budget and you look at customer service, quality of life, uh, when you look at the things, uh, the economic vibrancy, I've not even had a chance to talk about the investment in economic development, uh, where we are continuing to invest in, in, uh, in our economic development function so that, that our economic development folks can be responsive to our businesses as their needs change. But when you look across this budget, we've aligned it. The board will come in and tell us how well we've aligned it, but we've aligned it with our strategic priorities. We've 
we've aligned it with the things that our board have said this matters most. And then the board now is going to spend, again, about a, a, a six six work sessions to dedicate themselves to say, hey, are there things that we need to tweak? Are there things that we need to modify? I've not even talked about our investment in our workforce. Our board has been a wonderful partner with us to to continue to invest in our workforce with an eye on workforce stabilization. Uh, so we're trying to do what we need to do to continue to move forward, to continue to set our organization up to be responsive to the community we serve. And I think that this budget to a large degree does, does just that. With such a storied career in local government, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated to, to stay in local government management? I think that I've been very fortunate in many ways. And uh, for the first thing I think about is the people that I've served with. Uh, 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 the, the, the types of people that I've worked with uh, all along the way in, in county government and city government, they, they are tremendously uh, dedicated to the, to the communities that they serve. And, and that's very motivating to me. I, I get up every day and, and I just consider myself to be extremely lucky. In this case, I'm very fortunate to work in a community like Albemarle County. There is so much to talk about uh, uh, as, a, as a local government public servant. Uh, there is so many things that, that are happening here in Albemarle County that are just so exciting. There's just a lot of energy. There's a lot of vibrancy. It's really never a dull moment. You almost can't predict what's going to happen from 8 o'clock until the time you wrap up. There's so many different things that can happen in just a short span of one day with inside, outside issues, problems, things that we need to be a part of. So it's, it's, it's very invigorating. It's very exciting. And I certainly wouldn't trade it for anything. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you to our listeners for sticking with us through this conversation and through the budget process. And we hope you enjoyed our show. Thank you, Emily. That wraps up the conversation about the proposed budget for fiscal year 2023. First, thanks to Jeff Richardson for being our guest and to Emily Kilroy for doing such a great job as host. Also, thank you for listening. I would love to hear from you. Call or email me to share your constructive feedback, suggest a topic, or ask a question you have about Albemarle County local government. 434-296-5841, extension 3274, or sgruia at albemarle.org. Albemarle, we need to have a talk. Let's talk Albemarle!